Hello and welcome to Technically Minded, a podcast brought to you by Credera, where we discuss hot topics in business and tech in the hope that our insights are helpful to you, our listeners. Uh, I'm Matthew Greenhalgh, I'm a managing consultant at Credera UK, and I'm your host for this session. Today we're discussing environmental sustainability in business and technology, more specifically why and how organisations should continue to have environmental sustainability commitments as a high priority in their firm or organisation. To help me with today's conversation, I have three wonderful and knowledgeable guests with me uh, to help navigate this important topic. So namely, they are uh, Sophia Bell, engineer and UK sustainability lead at Credera, Christian Bouchel, uh, manager and US sustainability lead at Credera, and Robert White, who is a senior analyst at Anthesis Group. So uh, thank you all for being with us today. Uh, I think it's always good to start with a little quick hello from each of you and just a few statements about what you do and, and why this topic is of interest to you. So uh, Sophia, are you okay just to kick us off, please? Of course. Thanks, Matthew. So my name is Sophia Bell, and as Matthew said, I've been an engineer at Credera for about two years now, and I've been the UK sustainability lead for about a year. I originally got into uh, the sustainability working group primarily to push for environmental um, conservation days for CSR for our staff, and that's really snowballed in the last year as Credera has really uh, ramped up looking into how our, how we impact our environment and how we can negate our carbon going forward. So yeah, I'm very pleased to be part of the group and I look forward to talking. Christian? Yeah, happy to introduce myself. So my name is Christian Buchel. I'm a manager at Credera. I've been here about six years and a couple of years ago realized that we Credera could be doing more in the environmental sustainability space. So here in the U.S., uh, we founded what is now Cred Climate and where we focus on environmental improvements within our company and starting with stuff related to volunteer days and educational uh, for our employees and now moving towards finding ways to track, measure, and eventually reduce our carbon footprint in coordination with Thomicom and broader efforts uh, globally. So looking forward to chatting. Well, thank you. And uh, finally, Rob? Thanks very much. Yeah, pleasure. Um, yeah, my name is Robert White. I'm currently employed at Anthesis Group and as a senior analyst. So I work uh, primarily on calculating carbon footprints and life cycle analysis for products and services of different companies. So I'll be, an, I'll be the kind of person that's giving you the numbers of how much carbon you're producing and trying to get that down as much as you can. And prior to that, I used to uh, do a PhD in bioenergy at University of Leeds. And essentially, the thing that kind of got me into uh, sustainability was actually in an exam paper I had in chemistry, which was just critiquing uh, what was called green chemistry at the time and just going through and seeing how uh, people would greenwash and look at why it's important to communicate things transparently. So uh, it was a natural progression onto carbon footprinting for me from there. Wonderful. Thank you very much. And thank you all and welcome. Um... I want to start today's podcast, as we often do with them, by defining uh, what our topic today means to us and what it is we're talking about when we say environmental sustainability. So, um, you know, why are we discussing it and why is it important to our our listeners from the business and tech world? Um, Christian, could you kick us off, please, with your view on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So environmental sustainability is undoubtedly one of the biggest challenges of our time right now. And it's something that companies and businesses are grappling with, but don't at times quite understand what they can do to become part of it. So uh, it's been really interesting from starting from the inside of someone who's very passionate about promoting environmentally sustainable actions within our company 
to see how we're building it from the ground up. And I, I don't claim to be an expert in the space. I don't have formal training from uh, environmental chemistry or anything as impressive as Robert, but I, uh, <laughs> I, I have a passion for it and I'm, I'm willing to learn. And a lot of the work of consulting is doing that in our day-to-day with our clients. So starting from the inside, just that I was itching for ways to make a bigger impact beyond just improve, changing the way I recycle, eat, uh, and travel and find ways to make a bigger imprint, which, w- which led me to doing it at Credera. So it's something that I've learned over the last few years is that the biggest agency you have is influencing your organizations that you're a part of, whether that's your church, your community groups, or your company. And so that's what got me here. And uh, why it's, I think it's really valuable for companies to start thinking about where they can play in the space. Yeah, I completely agree with uh, Christian on everything he said. Um, I found it personally quite fascinating, the kind of sea change um, in people, not just people's attitudes, um, but also companies, governments from every, at every level, understanding that you have an impact on your environment and that therefore has an impact on climate change. And, you know, that people, everyone seems to be working, hopefully working towards a common goal of, you know, preventing the earth from warming to over 1.5 degrees and really kind of the work that we're doing, a lot of people around the world are doing, is to lay the foundations, really to make sustainability that bone of corporate responsibility and government responsibility, not just at the individual level. Um, and it's important that we strive to make sure that's happening. Yeah, it's such an important point you made of uh, individual. I mean, we don't want to discount the empowerment that can come from an individual taking actions into their own hands and finding ways that they can improve or to encourage others. But it's that more group level and finding community level uh, actions that you can encourage others to do. And in this case, encourage a company to do um, is the most important thing I think individual people can do. It's uh, everyone's important in the fight against climate change, but it needs to happen in an arena that is bigger levels of impact um, from a company level than from purely an individual making changes to their daily actions. Yeah, that individual effort is is super important. And I think what's important also to remember, though, is it's not just in, an individual responsibility too, because there's a lot of things going on that you can be a part of now and, and which can contribute to improving uh, sustainability and, and, and looking at how we can uh, improve how we uh, treat the environment. But it doesn't mean it's all on your shoulders as an individual. You don't have to you know, change your diet to 100% be vegan. You can take steps towards reducing your footprint by say, instead of having that beef burger, maybe you have one less this week or something like that, right? And I think it's important to keep that context there because there's a lot of people who get worried about climate change and, and that sort of stuff. Um, and I think they can sort of think it's up to them only when actually, like you said, being part of a huge group or uh, making those influences in a corporation at a corporate level, you know, that does can start that can start with just one individual, and I think that's a really important message to send out. Uh, it's, a, it's a great point. I think we, as consultants, I think we'd all experience. You know, you, you can spend um, undefined amount of times at different clients, and they'll have different levels of maturity in different spaces. And the same can be said for understanding environmental sustainability. So, you've all kind of highlighted the importance of, of working from the ground up. Are there any uh, practical applications of that that our listeners could take away? We talked about as an individual, it's important you do things that sets an example. I imagine that's a great part of it. But are any any wider bits that they can do within those organizations to, to really get it off the ground and, and support that, that understanding to grow and mature? 
you said uh, individuals and kind of individual efforts and doing that from the ground up, which is definitely something that you want people to feel empowered to do that. But I think almost one of the biggest things you can do is encourage leaders at the company. So even if that is happening from a grassroots level, it then needs the leadership buy-in from the top down to help drive accountability, to drive the goals for the organization and have that as something that they're measuring against when they're determining the actions that they're taking for a quarter or a year in relation to environmental sustainability. For sure. It's, I think it's also really important to keep the narrative going um, and to make sure it's at the top of the list um, all the time, because we kind of, we live in a world now where, you know, news changes so quickly and people's attention is grabbed by the next big thing, the next thing that's happening around the world. But this is the biggest thing that's happening and will be the biggest thing for, for a very long time. Um, but it's easy to forget that when you, going from the day to day. Um, so it's really important that all of us um, keep on top of it uh, and make sure that conversation has been had. Yeah, I agree. It's not just a one-time thing, right, where suddenly you'll change something and, and now everything is sustainable. It's it's a it's a concerted effort over a period of time. And, and something we've found in, in the digital space is there's a lot of, there's a lot of call for people who aren't experts. As, as you were saying, Christian, you don't, you don't need to be an expert to be conscious of it, but people who want to get involved from the design point of view for products, for example, how can how can we empower them to help them design products that are more sustainable from within straight away you know and one of the ways that we do that in thesis we have something called green design which allows people and engineers of all levels of understanding of sustainability to actually um, embed sustainability within their design process so changing out materials or different things like that to show that actually if we make this modification it might make it financially more uh, more viable but actually it makes it has a, have a more of a larger impact on the environment i think that's a really important point um you know as an engineer um kind of building things from the ground up for example you kind of have to look at accessibility every single time you you build a website and you have to say you know how is this accessible and how are people going to um, look at this and interact with it and really that should be happening for environmental sustainability everything that people build or or do or create there should be, it should be through the lens of how can this be the most sustainable? Um, you know, what is the output? What is the carbon output of this? Um, I think that that change will come. Um, it just depends how quickly, um, but I think it's an important one. The question is never or almost so that you, I, I always get questions from interested friends or something who know that I'm read or research environmental sustainability and they ask, so should we be investing money in solar and wind or should we do it in nuclear? And the answer is never an or in this and the, the scale of change that's required. It's an and everything, everyone has some level of uh, thing that they can do or their company has their purview that they can influence and all those actions are is what's needed to sum to sum up to uh, something that can rival the scale of what climate change is posing to to people at the moment yeah i like that the thought about investing i think that's really interesting because that's another thing that people can do like as an independent you know an action rather than as a group and i think other ways that that seems to be influ being influences we've, we've had a few clients who are in the biomedical device area and doctors who use their devices, for example, will, will ask the companies, you know, what's the sustainability metrics about this? How much carbon is this producing? So that's that kind of individual bottom-up kind of pressure. And I think, as we've seen more recently, there's more index funds, there's more funds that are focusing more on sustainability and excluding like fossil fuel uh, kind of uh, investment practices. So 
that pressure from the bottom and then combining it with the opportunities that are created from the top-down process, I think is, is is when it just it feels great to sort of um, see those two merge together. But it doesn't always happen. And I think in the end, you can't have one without the other. So yeah, it's it's, it's super key that, that point Christian made about um, that independent effort, but it, it definitely doesn't all rely upon that that independent person. We, we've talked about push and pull in terms of um, building a better understanding within an organization. So you've got that ground up push of, um, there's different ways you can articulate the benefits. I mean, there's the inherent understanding of, you know, it's something that the, the world needs to, um, you know, wrestle and, and work with and actually manage and not just ignore. But equally, um, when it comes down to those tough decisions, if it's um, if it's a matter of finance or investment, are there ways to articulate that to help them? And are there other external benefits? So you touched on one there around... Um, We've seen tenders and things come out that include, you know, what's your approach to environmental sustainability? It's another good one to to get organisations to think about it. Are there any others outside of those that you would maybe call out as being key? Yeah, I think there there is the need to call out some of the financial and investment decisions and the reason for companies because while the moral argument is absolutely there of leaving a, an earth that is suitable for and habitable for our kids, grandchildren, and future generations, that's sometimes not what the, the language that's being spoken in business. And so um, that's okay. And the, the I don't want to say the beauty, but the, the fact of the matter is that there's plenty of financial and investment decisions that are needed to look at. So that could be a company with lots of assets that could be stranded in the future because they've invested in areas that are going to be prone to natural disasters or they're going to be prone to uh, population migrations that are going to impact their business. It's talking about um, the supply chains of companies being disrupted and not being able to get the goods that they need to continue to service their business. And there's a reason why you're seeing more push, not only in the EU, which is definitely at the forefront, but even now in the US with the SEC, asking large public companies to start disclosing carbon because those types of decisions are going to impact the way investors look at companies and wanting to invest their money into companies that are prepared for the impacts. So not only mitigation and adaptation, but also doing something actively to reduce their carbon footprint in the eyes of consumers who are going to judge companies on that going forward. Yeah, I think that I've been talking about that push kind of thing as well and, and people being more interested in, in looking at those companies that are trying harder to to point out the sustainability metrics like one of the one thing that a few companies have come to Anthesis looking for is is how to price an internal carbon tax so you've probably all heard of the concept of a, of a carbon tax the amount of carbon that is associated with a product you you charge money per kilo of carbon it emits or something like that and some of these exist already. There's, there's stuff like this in Sweden, but some companies are taking it upon themselves to impose it internally, even though it's not actually costing them any money based on what carbon they, they emit by the products they buy. But they add it on as an extra calculation to show that, say, if they were to get this item that's very heavy shipped from, uh, let's say, China to Sweden, for example, they'd then add in the carbon of that air freight and what that would cost and see whether or not it's actually cheaper now based on that carbon price, if we just manufacture it in Sweden. So you save the carbon and you you essentially couple it to, to financial financial data, which I think is really interesting. But it's also, it, it, you, I can't imagine any company looking at that 10 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, because it looks like you're shooting yourself in the foot a little bit there because you're still costing yourself more money. But that push has come, and from from the client that we, we uh, worked with, that push has come because a few people have thought this was a good idea and took it through. 
you know so that individual effort has now affected that whole company in the way they're doing this pilot and who knows maybe they'll now apply that in the future and actually future-proof themselves in five or ten years when a carbon tax actually applies globally hopefully on the same vein, so talking about the, the kind of push and pull factors, I think, Sophia, you mentioned earlier about how um, doing CSR days around environmental sustainability and understanding climate change was, was an interest for you, a passion for you. And I think we've all, I say we, you've all highlighted the importance the individual can play. So, you know, what is the power of CSR in helping organisations to, to build an understanding and, and to raise that awareness and also to, to help, I guess, is the other question in that, what other things can they do with CSR to to really expand and have an impact? So I think my interest with the, the practical conservation CSR days um, kind of really stems from, you see you, know, you see the climate changing, you see you know everything happening on TV, um, and it seems so incredibly far away sometimes, even if you're doing the recycling and you're doing everything you think you that's in the right vein. And so I think it's really important, as with you know any kind of charitable um, passion, it's you know, to get on the ground uh, and to see how it actually is uh, for those organisations and and the problems they're coming up against and and how difficult it is just to maintain a very simple thing like uh, like a wooded area you know um, you'd think that you know it grows up on its own and, and it's absolutely fine but with climate change um, and with actually and people's apathy a lot of the time um, these things can be lost to us um, it's really important that companies encourage the, their staff and I think actually have um, systems in place for their stuff to take CSR days um, because the information that you gather in these days will trickle upwards as well as downwards, right? So you're not just helping your local community, you're helping your company understand its impact um, in the area that you work in um, and the area that you live in as an individual as well. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. There's a lot more to just carbon footprints for the environment. There's lots of things that can be affected by our actions. So things like biodiversity loss, different species um, being lost due to deforestation, for example, or something like that. And then there's also other areas, things like um, eutrophication. So the way our fertilizer interacts with our water sources, uh, ocean ocean acidification, as well as another example. There's so many different ways that our actions influence the environment. And I think the focus is on carbon because it's, it's understandable uh, for the most part. And also it's something that we can measure and track uh, a lot easier than these other impacts. So although carbon is very important and, and should be considered, um, it should also be uh it, the focus should also be expanded to these other environmental impact yeah it's it's a global problem that needs to be solved locally and finding ways to connect those uh, the climate change and the environmental movement to active things that are happening in your own neighborhood or community is important uh, we recently with at Credera us had a, a speaker from downwinders at risk which is an organizational group in dallas that fights um, the pollution that's coming in a lot of, of um, impoverished communities in South Dallas. And so it's, uh, it's something where we're seeing the impacts of decisions made on fossil fuels, heavy manufacturing that are impacting the environment and how those actually cause out adverse damage to the people who live in the communities that those are located. And they're, they're fighting to improve the way zoning happens so it doesn't occur only in uh, minority majority communities and connecting some of those the impacts of climate change on real people and being able to see that yourself is a way that i think will draw a lot of people into wanting to be a part of uh combating against climate change in their company as well yeah i, th I think the points made earlier about how corporate social responsibility days so a lot of individuals or organizations can 
can contribute. I think organizations in general are continuing to recognize that, that sustainability is a, a business imperative. And especially because of COP26 that happened recently in the UK, especially and thesis as well, it, it's super important for us that we can operate seamlessly across across the globe to work together as one large community because we can't we can't really deliver against these sustainability goals that we've been set unless we work across these global value chains. And in a similar way, if you can't work with the local communities, you know you build it up from there. Related to the the articulation piece about how you evidence the benefits to business. I mean, the elephant in the room we've not really touched on is technology. It's inherent in this conversation. Um, I've been on uh, sessions on a few clients I've been with where things like cloud optimization have come up. You know, you're making efficiencies in how you use cloud as a service and the way you use it and, and implement it. You know, and that has inherent benefits to not only understanding the, the wider impacts of environment sustainability, but equally it reduces your carbon footprint I suppose if I pitch this as how can I articulate the benefits or what can we do within technology, within businesses to, to help organizations to A, understand that the changes they're making are also having those wider benefits and B, what are some of those kind of key ones that you might highlight or do highlight if you ever have these these conversations with clients? Yeah, I think I think the first thing really is is understanding what the carbon footprint is or, or actually tracking what carbon you're emitting because if you can't track it or measure it, then you can't change it, right? So... There's, a, there's definitely a lot of ways to do that, like doing scope one, two, and three um, analysis uh, for their greenhouse gas inventory, or specifically just like looking at what a data center, um, the amount of emissions produced by a data center per gigabyte of data streamed or used in different countries, and then and then trying to sort of go from there and figure out where you can, can make changes. Yeah, and we've, we've seen uh, at Cordera, some opportunities present themselves with relation to, like you mentioned, cloud optimization and understanding uh, how you configure your your cloud system to work to whether you where you locate those servers. If you're you can draw power, and I know that Azure and Amazon are starting to offer ability to choose where your server is going to be located so that you can reduce emissions by using more renewable energy to power your business. And those decisions are things that are going to continue to grow. And as, as companies look to re- reduce their carbon emissions, as they've stood up the ability to track them, those are decisions that are going to become more and more important to make. There's specific industries that are already pushing this. I mean, anything within the automotive sector at the moment, they're trying to find ways to highlight the benefits of the EVs that they're starting to manufacture and that are going to be predominant coming forward. Um, so companies that are willing to understand and play in this space are going to have opportunities presented to themselves, especially for us in consulting, but any industry is going to start to see the the progression of environmental sustainability focuses and mandates continuing to grow in their sector as well. Yeah, I completely agree. That's um, something we've seen a lot with our bids, um, especially, especially government bids. I found um, nearly everyone's asking for an environmental policy. Um, are we adhering to it? What are our goals? Um, what are we setting as our goals? Uh, how we hope to achieve them? And, and are they updating every year? Are we are we changing that depending on you know how we're growing? Um, so I think um, yeah, it's something that I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if it, if it touches on every single industry going forward. One area we've not touched on it's it's related, I guess, is around recruitment or employee retention as well. You know, we've talked about you know the moral argument and the. Uh, inherent efficient you know understanding that if you do these things it's it's good for the business it's good for the world um do you think it's it's more on people's radar in terms of the the roles that they look for or the firms and organizations they look for 
Yeah, we know we've started including the work that we're doing and the, the goals that we have with relation to environmental sustainability within our recruitment materials. When we go to college campuses, we get asked by it by potential bright new hires who are interested in what our company is doing. I know it's a it's an area that is very important for new generations that are growing into the workforce. So companies that decide to not prominently display or talk about their environmental commitments or have that discipline if it comes to choosing between a company that does do that and a company that doesn't, I imagine that there's going to be a, a good number of people who are entering the workforce that would elect to choose to work for the company that is demonstrating progress or demonstrating at least an effort. It doesn't necessarily mean they need to be uh, Microsoft who's doing tons of work in the space, but at least starting to build the building blocks and demonstrating progress towards goals that are, are climate change combating and that are looking to be a part of the solution and not continue to pe perpetuate the problem. Yeah, I think um, a lot of people realize that like the lack of corporate transparency is kind of one of the ways we got into this problem in the first place. Um, and so the transparency going forward is so, is so incredibly important. And what's important there too is it's not a one-time recruitment thing. A company can't get those employees in and then not expect to maintain those commitments. They have to continue to optimize. They have to continue to push new policies to reduce carbon footprint and continue the progress they've already made. Because those employees aren't going to, they're going to hold them to account. They're not going to just let them, oh, you, do, you did something for the past couple of years and we're good. It's, uh, it's going to be continuous. And so it's not a one, one time you do it, you calculate your carbon footprint, you do a few uh, reduction techniques in a couple areas and you're done. It's, uh, it's, it's, going to be part of business. It's going to be a disclosure that happens regularly, and it's going to be something that gets embedded throughout all of operations. Yeah, approaching it from a slightly different angle, I guess, inherently, Anthesis is a sustainability consultancy. So rather than it being something that we advertise, in addition, it's, it's kind of like our bread and butter. And looking at the last year or two, I think we grew from 500 people just over to about 800. So that was 200 people hired in the pandemic to specifically focus on sustainability. So you can see there, it's already a, it's already a hot sort of topic um, in terms of just people wanting to get involved in that. But also, I think one of the challenges there is not just retaining those people, but also looking at getting people from different backgrounds and different, um, different cultures, because there's a lot of different people in the world from different cultures and different backgrounds. And there's so many challenges that can be overcome through different thought processes. And, and I think working heavily on things like DEI, uh, especially within our company, at least, to get people in who understand those nuances and can then approach sustainability from that that point of view rather than one that has no um, understanding and experience of those cultures. That's a good point. We've almost come full circle to the power of the individual in this. You know, yes, it's about organizations. If people take it on themselves to understand that it's something they want to be a part of, but equally they want to be a part of a firm that, that thinks about these things and challenges itself and pushes it. Well, not necessarily they're there to be somebody that, that advocates for environmental sustainability. It just builds that inherent understanding and, and the, the culture that it's something that the organization needs to look at and needs to understand. Um, okay, cool. We, we've touched on lots of different areas in there, and I'm sure there's, there's a whole heap more we could talk about. We've all kind of touched on that it's a journey and organizations are going to be at, well, I'll say our listeners are going to be at different levels of maturity in this space. So what would be your key takeaway in terms of um, what they can think about or do as, as a, you know, I won't say a one-line summary, but, you know, a key thing to take from the podcast that they can think about. Rob, do you want to kick us off on this one? I'd certainly try. I think from my perspective, the first thing you can do is, is look at whether your company tracks its carbon and understand why or why not they're doing it and then 
try and get them to try and do it <laughs> essentially because i think tracking it's the first step in changing it yeah i think um my main takeaway would be just to keep the conversation going um research as much as you can and help and inform your colleagues you know your friends your family as to kind of how they might be able to help and also highlight you know where they're going they're going right i think it's not just about you know you're not doing enough of this you're not doing enough of that it's you know, look at what people are doing um, and kind of celebrate uh, the smallest things because I think they will, they will have the biggest impact. So my my biggest takeaway for, for listeners would be for you to find the area that you're passionate about and something you're good at, whatever your skills are, and utilize those to be uh, to move the conversation forward. Whether that's at your company or outside your company with the organizations, there's, an, there's a space for everyone to be a part of the, the climate movement. And that can be through skills you've gained through your job, or it could be passions you have outside of it. But finding ways to utilize those is the first step and finding a space that you think you feel empowered with and that you you feel you can make an impact is how everyone can be a piece of it. But pushing for that at a community level and at an organizational level, not just only solely focusing on what an individual can do. Uh, Christian, Sophia and Rob, thank you so much for taking the time to, to share your thoughts with our listeners today. To our listeners, if you're interested in reading more around uh, our insights from Credera, you can visit credera.com or credera.co.uk um, and visit our insights page. Um, should you wish to get in touch with ourselves generally or any of our speakers today, you can also visit the Contact Us page on our website or you can click in the episode notes of this podcast to leave us a voice message. So thank you again to our speakers and thank you for our listeners. Thank you.